Welcome to more about officership, an open and honest discussion about officership in Australia. As we move towards one Australia territory, host Captain Matt Reed is joined by officers from across the country to discuss the challenges and rewards of being an officer today. Well, welcome back to another week of the Candidates Podcast. Good to have your company. If you're joining us for the first time, there's a whole suite of um, conversations that we've had over, I guess, the last 30 or so weeks. So you can uh, go through the iTunes library and check those out or you can pick them up on Facebook. Now, if you go to the iTunes library, it is uh, more about officership and you can search that way or you can go to the Facebook page, which is the Salvation Army Candidates and you can see we put them up at the end of each week so you can have a look. And if you've got any questions or comments, feel free to leave them in that place as well. Now, joining us today uh, in this conversation is Cadet Marika Wallace. So good morning to you, Marika. Good morning. It's good to have your company. We're going to start a little bit differently today. Normally, we just dive in and I ask all these pokey questions, Um, but I've asked Marika to read her testimony. Now, it has featured in the Others magazine, and I think, uh, Marika, you gave a testimony at the welcome meeting? Yes, last yeah, year, last in December. Year, yep. In December, so mm-hmm. at uh, commissioning. So mm-hmm. anyway, I'm going to hand over to you. Let us uh, learn more or hear your testimony. Hi. Okay, I'm just going to read my testimony. When I watched my brother Dominic and his wife get commissioned as Salvation Army officers in 2012, I thought to myself, that's nice, but it's definitely not for me. This week, well, back in February, I started training as a cadet in the Salvation Army's Eva Burroughs College for officer training, and this is my story. I grew up in a Salvation Army family. My dad ran a couple of family stores and my mum did welfare for a while. When I was 18 or 19, I left home and just went my own way. Nothing bad or anything, just life. I found the man of my dreams. I thought, I'm getting married. What happened from there? Well, everything spiralled. We couldn't fall pregnant, so it was a hard time. Then what happened, I did get pregnant, but my son was born with club feet, turned in feet. Um, So he had multiple surgeries, boots, bars, orthotics, all sorts of stuff. During that time, I also fell pregnant with twins. Before I knew it, I was seeing a specialist because one of the twins had not developed any esophagus, stomach, and there was a heart problem. And due to medical reasons and my life being in danger due to the pregnancy, my child's life was terminated. On the 2nd of June 2010, I met my daughter, who had survived against all the odds, and my son, who lay in the palm of my hand. Next minute, my daughter had stopped breathing. Doctors and nurses came from everywhere and cared for her. I heard them say, where's the mother? I turned my face away and I remember saying to God, how much more do you think I can take? Thankfully, my daughter survived. After a few months later, after much searching and praying, I left my marriage because it had become very unhealthy. My son was two and my daughter was just four months old. I walked away from a brand new house, the whole lot. I moved to Inverell in northern New South Wales. I had no money and it was really tough. I had to rent a house, I had to go to Centrelink and admit that I had no money, which is horrible in itself. I also got welfare assistance from the local salvos. I had no choice, I had to feed the kids. It's hard to ask for help and those experiences can change you forever. It was almost like God was setting me up for what was coming next. One day, my Corps officer, Captain Chris Millard, said, hey, Marika, you'd be good as a welfare worker. Would you want to come and work with me? My immediate reaction was no. I'm quite content where I was. I didn't need to work for the Salvation Army. But he persuaded me and I did some welfare work. I discovered I could do it and then I enjoyed it. Next thing, I got a phone call from divisional headquarters asking me to be a NILS worker, which is a no-interest loan scheme. 
I found that I really loved it. I loved empowering people and helping people in the community. Next thing, divisional headquarters was calling again, this time about training to be a money care financial counsellor. Again, my initial reaction was no. I felt like I was not cut out to be a financial counsellor. But I did the training and got offered a job in Tamworth. But I couldn't take the job because at that stage, my four-year-old son had just been diagnosed with dislocated kneecaps. The doctor said to me at the time when my son was diagnosed, well, I know what the problem is. I just don't know what part of his legs to break first in order to fix him. It was absolutely devastating. The Salvation Army said, well, keep your job open for a month for you to sort out your medical stuff with your son in Sydney. And literally almost a month to the day, the hospital had worked out a medical plan and I was able to take the job in Tamworth. Another God moment. So for the next four and a half years, I worked as a money care financial counsellor, travelling all over North and Northwest New South Wales, seeing clients from all walks of life, helping them with their financial difficulties. I was teaching them the same kind of things that I had learnt during those hard early years when I had nothing and was budgeting on the smell of an oily rag. At the same time, I made endless trips to Sydney Children's Hospital, watching and caring for my son as he went through numerous operations, leg casts, wheelchairs, physio, orthotics, and lots of follow-up appointments with a specialist. Through all my experiences, I sensed a pull back to the Salvation Army and over the past few years, a gradual pull to ministry. The past 12 months of working as a money care financial counsellor, I became extremely unsettled. I couldn't put my finger on it. A cloud of fear had developed. I felt like I was sick but couldn't work it out, what was causing it or what to do about it. It was a really dark time. I went to a women's retreat at Amore called Streams in the Desert. One of the ladies from my course said to me at the end of the sessions, you're special. Have you ever thought about full-time ministry? And the way she said it, I knew God was calling me to something. I just knew I had a sense of it. I applied for a doorways position, thinking that that's what God was calling me to do. But when I got the job, I was even more frustrated because I realised that it wasn't for me. It was then I turned to my core officer at the time and said, and he actually said to me, maybe you need to apply for officership. Since making the decision, everything has fallen into place. In 2012, I was given my first opportunity to preach by Major Helen and Peter Pearson. I preached on hearing God's voice. I've heard his voice and now I'm here. It's an absolute privilege to be a cadet at Eva Burroughs College. Well, there you go. That's quite a, <laughs> <laughs> quite a story. It is a story. What a, The hearing God's voice, yep. yeah, what, is that the first time you, you knew that God was calling you to full-time ministry? Um, I would say yes. Back then there was a sense, his pull that I cannot describe it and I can only describe it was God. Yeah, but I couldn't work that out. In what context, what that meant, I had no idea. Yeah. So if people want a copy of that, if you go onto the, I think it's, is it the Others website? Yep. It would yep. probably be there. It's called Marika's, oh, sorry, Marika, Here's God's Voice Through the Pain, which is a, a good, and there's a photo of your kids. There is. Uh, which, uh, and I've got to get this right, I, I, <laughs> I call them all, I've called them all sorts of things. One of them, what, what are the kids' names? Okay, it's, so Taz. Taz. He's my nine-year-old son. Yes. And Talise is my seven-year-old daughter. Now, Taz was the one that had the surgery. Yes, yeah, so he, he was the one with the surgery, sure. Judging by the laps on the scooter around the uh, <laughs> the grounds of the college, yep. that's all sorted. Yeah, he's good. He only has to go to checkups once every 12 months now, which is a huge blessing. Well, and he's, he, how old is he? He's nine. Because he's pretty tall. He is he's tall. He's super tall. Yeah. Okay, good. All right, you, you made a comment in your testimony about how much more can I take. Yeah. How much more can you take? <laughs> 
that's an interesting question. I look back then when I was reflecting on the officership and trying to, you know, argue with God and wrestle with him yeah. going, how much more? But God knew how much more I can take and that's why I'm here because he knows way more in me than what I'll ever know of myself. Yeah. And what, what are some of those things that you had to kind of <sighs> there was overcome? A, so to actually to get in here in yeah. the first place, I had a list of things with God. I go, you know what, mate, this is the deal. I tell him and we have, me and God have long conversations about life in the middle of the night. <laughs> yep. And, and, you know, there's obstacles there that I thought, no, if you want me to become an officer, but these are, this is what's going on, this is not going to happen. I've got rules. <laughs> this is the way my life is. So um, the biggest thing obviously was my son and his medical condition, how that was going to play out, what was going to happen. But in that instant when I said to the specialist, I'm thinking about moving to Melbourne, et cetera, et cetera, and he just said, it's okay. We can, once every 12 months he can get a checkup. And I'm like, God, just intervene in that moment. So that was just really cool. Yeah, yeah. I love how God works. And, and has that been a smooth transition with all that health stuff? Yeah, that's been okay. He's been all right. And he's, look, he's a walking miracle. The fact that he can walk today is an absolute miracle in itself. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're a kid at, at the college, obviously. Yeah. Um, and you get to do all the stuff. And, and I, there's lots of podcasts around yep. what cadets do at college. Yeah. And, and, you know, we could go there. But I'm, I'm kind of really interested in the, the experience you bring in terms of ministry, so welfare, um, like community, or what do you call it in? In Sydney, what's it called? A door, no. Doorways? There's doorways. Yeah. So doorways, emergency relief. Emergency relief. So yeah. emergency relief. Yeah. We'll get the right lingo. Uh, and Neil's and that sort of stuff. And then yeah. and then financial counselling, yeah. all this kind of stuff. So there's part of it that is your story that you've kind of been on both ends I have. of that. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So do you want my personal stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So it was, I must admit, I'd been working for a number of years with the kids, married and all that sort of stuff. And then to walk into Centrelink and actually go, you know what? I have nothing. Um, It's pretty hard in itself. But I think I had to do what I had to do for the kids to look after them. But I just walked in that office one day and the lady at Centrelink, I remember just going, she was just lovely and I kept going back and she helped me through that and it was fantastic. And then to actually just step out of your comfort zone and go, I need to go to Salvos for help and and go to Vinnie's <laughs> and all those places. It, and when you've got no support in place except for you and the kids, you just do what you do as a mother to make that, like make, the mama bear yeah, comes alive. Yeah, it comes alive. I remember very early yeah. on I bought a, um, a a pram. It was a two-wheeler, like a, you know, tri- triple-wheeler thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, I put the kids side by side and I was like, God, what do I do next? So I put these kids in this um, pram. I used to walk around the streets and I was happy because I was free of my last situation. But at the same time, there was a lot of soul searching in those moments. That yeah, really. A lot of kilometers in the leg. <laughs> and that's how I coped. Yeah. And what about on the so you've been on that side of it? Yeah, I have. And what about working on the other side of it? It I think the my personal experience, huge asset to working especially in financial counselling because when a single parent come in saying she's struggling like with Centrelink and all those issues, I could just have that empathy. My situation is probably not the same as everybody else's, but I have the skills, I think, to be able to help people along this well, journey. It's the, it's, the, it's the best part and the first part yeah, is actually is. having an understanding of how people, or even if you don't know exactly people's circumstances, yeah. just sort of, you know, we're here. Yeah. We're here. And, yeah. You, and that's a very unique yes. and a, a real gift that you've 
kind of experienced both sides yeah, of that. Yeah, I have. <laughs> so then you moved to Tamworth or you, this is happening in Tamworth? No, this was happening in Inverell when I was doing all that. In where? And then in Inverell. 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 Where's that? Northern New South Wales. Okay, and then you moved to Tamworth. Then I moved to Tamworth. Where, so Tamworth is for the uneducated? Um, country music capital of Australia. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and Barnaby Joyce just recently, you know, the whole Barnaby. Oh, Barnaby, yes. yes. He, he, yeah. he came up in the news a couple months yeah. ago. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So tell us about the core in Tamworth because I think people come to ministry from all sorts of expressions. So, you know, whether it's core in the city, um, house churches, you know, I guess traditional, whatever that means, contemporary, whatever that means. But let's talk about Tamworth. Okay. So um, Tamworth is a country core. Yep. It's got a band of about five or six people. So we've got a bit of contemporary as well as traditional. Yeah. Um, core's not overly big. I think maybe 40 or 50 people go on a Sunday. And then we've got a lot of social. So we've got money care, nils, doorways. We had um, all those sort of things. A lot of social stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so that's basically the core. And then you've got little outlying cores after that as well that I got involved in as well. Okay, just so... Sunday ministry yeah, sort of so stuff? Yeah, so I got opportunities to preach and to lead um, at smaller cores like Gunnedah and Barabar. Which so who gave you your first go? You know, like in terms of, I, I think we've all got a ministry, right? I, I believe in that kind of priesthood of all believers and that stuff. But who gave you your first go to say, actually, Mariki, could you just go and um, share the word up there? Or? It was major. It was Helen and Peter Pearson who have retired. Okay. And they said to me out of the blue one day when I was a Neil's worker, it was back in 2012, <laughs> and they said, can you preach? And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> what do you think this is? You know, like I'm a newest worker. I go and help the community. I'm no yeah. person to get up there and preach. But I just felt the, at that moment where God just goes, just give it a go. But you knew. Yeah. And I gave it a go. And I think that's when I stepped out that things change. Yeah. yeah. So... The stepping out part, obviously you've stepped out of lots of things that, and significant changes. Yeah. What do you say to people who, not maybe not in those circumstances, but exploring ministry, thinking about, well, oh, no, I, you know, and I I don't subscribe to this, but some people would say, oh, I only do this so I couldn't do that. How do you encourage people to step out? Don't limit yourself. Don't limit God in that. If God is actually giving you ideas or thoughts, don't ignore them. Or if you're unsure, I used to journal, I still journal a lot. Write down what you think God may be saying to you. Mm. Write it down, let it go, write it again. Find someone that you can trust to actually have those conversations and explore that because don't miss the opportunities that God's got there for you. They may be just something that you need or he needs from you. Yeah. yeah. Because you've, you were actively involved at Tamworth, mm -hmm. you're involved in meeting leadership, You've got a ministry, you're working, you've got a house with a swimming pool, <laughs> of course. Uh, you've got the uh, Country Music Festival, which maybe that's why you left. But uh, No, it's all right. <laughs> um, you had all that and yet there was still something that said there was more. Yeah, that was a tough time. Talk because about I, that. I had everything there, you know, and I had it how I wanted it. Support was in place, had a great job, paid reason when money. Um, I had a company car, I didn't want for nothing. Um, but I just couldn't ignore that part of my life, that God was calling me to something greater than myself. And I thought to myself, if I don't do this, am I going to wind up unhappy for the rest of my life? And I didn't want to miss what How God... How long did you wrestle with that for? Oh, good 12 months. Yeah. And I remember when I put the paper, the first lot of papers in for officership, I was like, God, it's done. See you later. <laughs>
<laughs> and I'm like, I've done what you've said to me to do. I'm not going to become an officer. That's the end of it. So, yeah. Because you thought you wouldn't become an officer? No, no way. It's my brother's thing. You know, my brother's the core officer in our family. Where That's is your Where is your brother and now? And him and his wife. Where's Samantha. that? It's an it? ACT. Okay. Yeah. How long have How long has he been? He and his wife been officers. They've just turned captain. So what's that? Five years. Uh, yes. Yeah. I believe I believe you are true. <laughs> I believe it is true. Yeah. Um. Someone said to you, and I, I, you did mention their name in the in your testimony. You're special. Ah, uh, yes, that was one of the um, soldiers from my corps. Now, that's a word that clearly impacted you. Yes. And thought, well, hang on a second. Not, not, not that you're better than anybody else. No. But when someone recognised yeah. something within you and sort of called that out. Yeah, they did. What? Just talk about that person or if you like, and, yeah, and how that happened. Yeah, so what happened is I was at the um, retreat at Moray, fantastic place. Moray's out in the middle of nowhere. Is Moray the place where they have the um, the hot springs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pool, like yeah. the, yes, yeah, I've been there. it's a beautiful place. And it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's got nothing. You think, God's not here. <laughs> There's nothing there. <laughs> Why would he come in? Why would you come out here? So anyway, we, and I got a group of ladies and off we went and it was fantastic. And we had a session there um, one morning and they did it, just on art therapy and then learning to pray with God in art and a whole new skill, which was fantastic. And we were in a like a bit of a you know, massive big room. And then out of the blue, the soldier come up to me and said those words to me. And it was the way she said it. It's not what you said, it's how you said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of those moments. And then I reflected on what she'd actually said to me that night and I'd come up to her and talk to her a bit more about it and she had tears rolling down her face because I knew she knew it was it was a God moment and she couldn't understand why she had to tell me. So, yeah, really confirmed that. Wow. Yeah, it was a really special moment. Something about encouraging people yeah. and speaking kind of life. Yes. Because there's lots of people that can tell you all the things that you probably don't, we don't do as well as we should and we should have. And uh, yep. But for someone to speak life into a situation... Mm. Um, that's really good. What you, you're now in Melbourne, obviously you're yeah. at the college. <laughs> um, you're, you're actually doing some stuff at Ringwood, which yes. is my core at the moment. Yeah. Uh, I'm not I'm not a core officer, but I attend there with my yeah. family. And you, you're seeing different parts of the army. Yeah, that's really cool. So talk about what you've what you're seeing. Yeah, so I think looking back now, or you know, reflecting, starting to I go I go to Ringwood, and there's what over 200 people a week go to that core, and I get to preach there, and I'll get to lead lead the services, and it's just opened my mind up to a whole new possibilities I never thought was possible if I'd stayed in Tamworth and lived in my little secured life that I thought you know was going to be mine forever. So really enjoying that. They got kids church, which is fantastic for my kids. Um, I got to go to the Chinese core the other week and they translated my testimony into Chinese, which was a new experience. So, yeah, really enjoying all the new and things. And placement stuff. You're doing other, other bits and pieces. Yeah. So I did pubs for four weeks and I love. Now, I, I say pubs. this with all. I, was just, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you would be very good at pubs. Thank now, you. I don't mean that because you spend all your time there. I just think <laughs> um, the way you connect with people yeah. and I, I'd, I'd down to earth, and I don't mean that in a derogatory no, no. way, but yeah. so you did pubs for, for a few weeks, weeks. Yeah, yeah, with Dave, the one of the other cadets. We had a blast, okay, and we did it at Greensboro, um, from there. And oh, I just loved it, love connecting with people, and love the, the fact that I can wear a Salvation Army uniform and just walk in a door. I think it's just it's incredible. It opens doors, yeah, it sure what, does. What do you 
What have you been surprised by? Surprised. That's a question, Matt. There you go. It is a question. Surprised. The fact that college, the college experience and coming in here, and it's a lot about me growing as a person. And it's not college, so to speak. It's more um, a journey with God and what that looks like. Yeah. Because you, you, we were talking before that you, know, you make adjustments yeah. in life and even while you've been here, some yeah. adjustments and kind of you find your own rhythm and because, you know, with God as well, with mm. family, God, community, all that sort of stuff. Um, and you find you found that rhythm now? I'm starting to now. You're starting to. <laughs> It's a bit of a change coming from country New South Wales to Sydney. Yeah. So, yeah. What, what, you, what, what, what about people listening who are thinking about ministry, who live in country wherever, think, oh, I don't know. It's Come not and talk me. to me. <laughs> <laughs> Our rural representative uh, at, the, at the college. Well, I think it's a good thing though. Yeah, I think and, that, yeah. And what we actually encourage people to do um, is if they've got questions or comments about the podcast, just to leave, leave your comments and um, – if you've got questions, then I can put you in touch with Marika and you can have some follow-up conversations because I think it's really important because we, we kind of assume a lot of stuff or we just guess, I think, really. Um, but we can actually get some some answers, so that's good. What is the one thing that you would like to finish with on your experience, um, I guess, summing up your whole testimony mm-hmm. and your experience? What is one thing you would say? to bring this to a close? Oh, that's a tough question, but that's okay. I can handle it. I think <laughs> just, just listen to what God's telling you and don't limit God in that because God's so much bigger than our situation. And I just think, I think of the words of Joshua, it says, be strong and courageous. And they're the words I always use mm. because he's with you no matter what, but just work with him because he's he gives you stuff that you'll never ever, you can't ever dream of. Yeah. 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 Good on you. You are a breath of fresh air. <laughs> you are exciting. Like you like yeah. you enjoy life. Oh, I love it. And I love the <laughs> like the new experiences and get I'm doing recovery church at the moment as well. Loving yeah. that. And just yeah, I, I yeah, I lap it all up. You're all you're all over it. That's good. Yeah. Well if you wanna I I've mentioned it a couple of times and Marika shared her testimony at the beginning of the podcast. If you go to uh, others.org.au and if you look for Marika's story, it was actually published on the 1st of February 2018, so a couple of months ago, beginning of the year, um, and you can have a look at her story. Again, if you've got questions or comments, leave them on the Facebook page or send me an email and I can forward them on to Marika. Marika, thanks very much Thank you. for joining us and uh, we look forward to more hearing more about what God is doing uh, over the next couple of years. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks for joining us for more about Officership. You can join the conversation at facebook.com forward slash SA Candidates Australia. If you want to explore Officership further, please speak to your local core officer or candidate secretary. The Salvation Army needs more leaders. Is God asking for more of you?